0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network this year leaving certificate students have new choices via the cao whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible hands-on learning opportunities the future is full of possibilities whatever your ambition further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there your future is what you make it Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Whisper it, but
1: it wasn't that bad a decision really, was it? Let's be honest. Hello and welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast. This is our first one, might be our last one, depends how it goes really, we're going to try and entertain you for the next god knows how many minutes I can make this go on for. We will be talking about the quarterfinals, of course, a bit of a review of that, looking forward to the semi-finals, we'll be talking about referees, who knows why we all might want to talk about that, we will be talking about referees. We'll talk about the views of referees. Is this really fair? Has he been treated correctly? I've been asking on Twitter and Facebook this week for your nominations for our new feature called You Dirty Get, which we'll be looking at inducting into the You Get Dirty Get Hall of Fame fantastic, exemplary, wonderful, historic, legendary examples of foul play. I'll come on to what I mean by foul play later on, but that'll be coming up later. I've also been asking for your nominations for how the hell did he get a cap those players where even now you're scratching your head going how the hell did he get a cap that's all going to be coming up and hopefully um, it'll be something you fancy listening to feedback will be welcome it might be terrible I accept that but uh, let's go I am your host, Lee. I am the owner, editor, chief Haskell-hater of BloodandMud.com. You can find BloodandMud.com at, funnily enough, BloodandMud.com. You can also find it at Facebook.com slash BloodandMud. And you can also find us at BloodandMud on Twitter. I have a number of followers, all of which think I'm probably annoying. And that's not going to stop now either. You may have heard that sometimes referees don't get things right. It's an incredibly strange thing, but often sometimes human beings, referees included, get things wrong. The Scotland game last week was one of those times when that happened. He, in fact, got the thing wrong quite a number of times during the game, did Craig Zuber? you could argue. He got it wrong on the yellow card for Maitland. He got it wrong a number of times at the scrum. Australians would argue. In fact, Australians have been arguing. Australians have been telling us all to shut up. Australians are very happy with Craig Juba. They like him very much. But ultimately, referees make mistakes. I think uh, for World Rugby to come out and say that he was basically wrong is a terribly dangerous president to set for us there and actually completely and utterly out of order. I mean, has also been branded a disgrace by quite a number of people, Gavin Hastings, who probably said one of the most animated things he said in about 25 years. I think he's an absolute disgrace. Whoa, calm down, Gavin. <laughs> Steady, mate. But the, um, the other thing is, is that Matt Dawson said that he's a disgrace. Now, personally, I can only speak for me here, but personally, I think being called a disgrace by Matt Dawson is something that I would wear on a T-shirt for the rest of my life. Surely, really, we all want to be called a disgrace by Matt Dawson, don't we? That's the gold standard. Being called a disgrace by Matt Dawson... Oh, no, Matt Dawson thinks I'm a disgrace. so oh, what will I do now? Also, um, a couple of other people have decided to say that as well. Some of our level heads have been saying, hang on a minute, calm down, think about what this means for refereeing. And the, and the world rugby thing in particular is absolutely awful because, you know, the likes of Matt Dawson, as I've said, whatever, Gavin Hastings, he's angry, his team have just lost. But actually, for your own governing body or an employer to come out and say, yeah, we think you were wrong, is ridiculous. I mean, imagine a situation where... I don't know, a surgeon or something had just performed surgery and the, there was a claim going in to say he'd done something wrong in that surgery and then his, his, his employees, the hospital come out and just walked out to the front steps one day and just said, yeah, this doctor, what he did was completely wrong. No due process, no look at anything, no chance him to say what happened and even if it was something that was wrong, in all honesty, you know, this isn't life and death. Surgeons do actually do things that are life and death. Jubeir didn't do anything that was life and death. Um, and poor decisions happen on every field of play around the country all over the place and even top level referees get it wrong ah Lee ah people will say ah they'll say in that voice as well ah really annoyingly ah that these are elite refs these are elite people they shouldn't be making mistakes they shouldn't be making mistakes like that well actually if you watch any game ever at an an elite level you'll see that um, players make mistakes all the time pilloried for them hey you know my favourite person in the world James Haskell he makes mistakes doesn't he Uruguay not catching that ball and throwing it all over the floor like a great big fat lumpen handed lummox that he is if I digress on Haskell for a minute I was looking at Haskell the other day because as you know I'm quite obsessed with him even though I don't like it I was looking at Haskell the other day and he's a, big, he's a big fella, James Haskell. I accept that. He's a pretty large man, okay? I, he's a, there's a lot, a lot of things I won't say he is. I won't say he's an international level footballer, not really. I won't say he's a particularly great rugby player. I won't say that he's retiring. I won't say that his uh, nutritional products are worth buying. But what I have to admit is that basically he's a big lad. He is a big lad. And actually, if you look at him, actually, you think about it. he's six foot four and he's about 17 and a half stone. Look at the size of his head. His head is absolutely massive. His head looks like it should be on the container on a container ship. It's absolutely enormous. Imagine if he wasn't as big as he was. Because you can't make your head bigger in the gym. So if he hadn't become a rugby player, just think about it. If he was thin and normal-sized with that head, he'd need some kind of tripod to keep him up, basically amazing have a look next time you see him it's true also or a tripod or maybe like a davros contraption that like in doctor who the chief of the Daleks, or or like what was what was the bloke who was in charge of the factory in monsters inc who had like spider legs looked like a baby walker basically he needs one of them to stop his head but you know this is how much i think about haskell it's worrying i know but to come back to my point about referees you know they make mistakes players make mistakes all the time they knock on they drop the ball they make poor decisions and actually when you think about decisions that that players actually have to make really ultimately a player's got to decide if he's got the ball he's got to decide whether he's going to kick it whether he's going to pass it or whether he's going to run with it that's ultimately what he's going to decide in which direction maybe he's going to decide unless he's somebody like I don't know Andy Goode, at which point he's going to decide where he's going to kick it because he doesn't need to worry about running. But the point is, is that, you know, that's all a player has to think about. You think about a ref, he's going to take in the entire situation that's in front of him, decide in a split second what he sees, and then decide which law he's going to apply to it. I think the biggest worry about the situation with Joubert, actually, and the whole last minute penalty, we're going to address that, is that the biggest issue with it was that uh, what I don't like about it, I, I can accept that referees make decisions that might be wrong, might, might be right, might be wrong. What I can't accept about it is the Australian players who gathered round him, shouting at him, demanding a penalty. That's the thing we should be worrying about. We shouldn't be worrying about Andre uh, about Craig Joubert walking off the field too quickly, although that needs sorting. What we should really be worrying about for our game is the fact that a load of players jumped up and down and stamped their feet like Yosemite Sam in a cartoon, demanding it with a mardy face on to have a penalty given to them. That's the worrying thing. That, alloyed with the fact that in this World Cup... We've had people asking to go to the TMO to the referee, like they're doing it like like waving a card you would do in football or any other sport like that. Just say our oh, TMO, ref, TMO, ref. All of that is something that we don't want to come into the game. And also, you've got to remember as well, is, is what I think is that you know, referees have a tough job. And there's people who can put it much better than me. And I'd like to borrow, you know, rugby kicks off on football quite a lot. We like to think we're a bit better than football, don't we? But actually, you know, football has some people in it who actually made some sense. The legendary Brian Clough spoke about referees back in the 70s in an interview with John Motson, and he wasn't very happy. And I think I would probably stick with exactly what he said back in the 70s. I'll play it to you now and see what you think about it.
0: Oh, and I think this, I think what you do to referees is nothing short of criminal. I do, honestly. And I think the standard you feel that should be coming from referees at the moment is absolutely incredible. Because I have seen, I've worked in your industry a little bit as a layman, um, and I've looked at one of your machines 24 times and still couldn't get it right. And that's what you do. Yes, but I I must take you up on one thing there, Brian. It quite frequently proves the referee right. I don't think it's fair to say that every analysis pillar is a referee by any means at all. I'm not interested whether it proves him right occasionally. The point I'm making is that he makes a decision in five seconds or two seconds or one second or whatever it is. In the heat of a moment with 22 players with 30,000 people shouting and bellowing, all I'm saying is you don't make that point strongly enough. It should be overemphasized how hard it is to referee a match.
1: God, I miss Cloughy. Don't you miss Cloughy? the whole world is a worse place without Cloughy but leaving that aside his point is a, is a valid one you know, they do have a split second to make a decision some say, well why don't you go to the TMO, it's what it's there for the is overused, we've all been complaining all the way through the tournament that the TMO is massively overused and now we say, oh, well actually forget the fact we think it's overused, let's just go to it anyway you know, he, he made the call it was a marginal call, let's let the man get on with his job, and world rugby especially, you should be absolutely ashamed of yourselves Moving swiftly on to our first feature of the evening, our very special feature presentation. Um, I've been asking people all week, or for the last couple of days at least, on Facebook, bloodandmud.com, sorry, that's the website, facebook.com slash bloodandmud, and also on the Twitter, at bloodandmud, uh, whether you would like to nominate for us the inaugural people to be inaugurated into the You Dirty Get Hall of Fame. You Dirty Get is going to be a feature that celebrates magnificent acts of foul play, legendary historical acts of foul play. Now what do I mean by foul play? Now already people have been coming on to give me suggestions of people who've basically tried to kill or maim somebody. I don't really want to celebrate killing or maiming somebody as much as, you know, whisper it. We all really enjoyed it when it happened at the time and all had a bit of a laugh about it but we're not going to do it now because it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace on the game. It's not really a disgrace on the game but we have to say that now don't we? But we don't want to celebrate that. We don't want to celebrate that. So what I'm going to be looking at is that incredibly either people who are very effective at swear, uh, swearing, I'm effective at swearing most rugby players are effective at swearing not swearing, people who are effective at cheating um, in a way that makes them invaluable, that changes the course of a game, that makes them legends and cult heroes stuff that you never forget for all the wrong reasons or for all the right reasons usually depending on what kind of shirt you are wearing. So ladies and gentlemen, I give you You dirty get.
0: Oh, what about that? Send him off! Send the dirty cat off! Get him off the
1: field! Cheating is, in so many ways, an integral part of rugby. People don't like that, do they? They don't like the idea that that's the case, but it, the fact is, is that it's it's the case. And it tends to be technical cheating in rugby. Now you could say, well, don't qualify cheating, cheating's cheating, but it does tend to be a lot of technical cheating is expected living on the edge of the law and all that. And our nomination for the um, first inaugural inductee into the hallowed, hallowed hall of fame, of you dirty get, is the Leicester Terror the England World Cup winner the James Haskell irritator on Twitter recently Mr Neil Back and specifically not actually Mr Neil Back himself um, because probably didn't do enough to, to quantify for that, we will take p- nominated players by the way into the into the Hall of Fame, you can players instances of foul player, whichever one you want to nominate we'll consider them all but I think for the most legendary piece a foul play to be, this deserves to go in first. I think is the unforgettable, the completely hard faced, the absolutely wonderful in so many ways. The artistic, the wonderful hand of back from 2002. Picture the scene: Leicester 15, Monster 9, closing minutes of the Heineken Cup final. The Heineken Cup final. That's another thing that makes it a magnificent piece of cheating. The highest. In a club stage that could possibly be in 2002, Heineken Cup final there he was scrum down under the Leicester posts Munster pushing for that final try which could, if they score under the post would win them the game Peter Stringer bends down to put the ball
0: in be careful together. Munster that okay. close to the Leicester line Stringer puts in, now Neil Back seemed to hit that with his hand
1: Do you know why it seemed that way, Miles? It's because he did hit it with his hand. Q Peter Stringer waved his arms around in the air like an angry toddler just had his toffee apple taken off him. Leicester take the ball against the head. Ball is booted away to touch. Time is nearly up. Referee's seen nothing. Could he have TMO'd that now? He probably could have done, couldn't he? He couldn't do it back then, which in a way is bad and good all at the same time. But ultimately, we all know what happened and Stringer and his teammates still having a go at Joel Jude yes it was the hand of Neil back no doubt about it so there you have it the inaugural entry inductee has has the honour of being the first person into this what I think will become legendary will become a hallowed place like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Baseball Hall of Fame whatever other Hall of Fame you want to think of this will be right up there I'm sure like Put your hands in concrete on the high street in Grimsby, basically. But it's there. There it is. Our Hall of Fame. The you Dirty Get Hall of Fame. The first inductee. Legendary. Hand of back.
0: That's just typical what it is!
1: Did somebody say best World Cup ever? No? They have. And by God, God damn, they should have done as well. It's the best World Cup that we've had for... A very 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 long time I just hope I think we're all hoping that it continues to be that way because as you get to the cagey end of the tournament then it might not be as good as it has been I think there's a number of things that have helped actually tier 2 nations being so much stronger than they were you know tier 2 nations like England what well you know what I'm saying tier 2 nations coming on strong making actual proper games and games between tier 2 nations themselves as well as obviously the incredible Japan thing which is not just one you know, a Rugby World Cup shock. It's a sport shock, any sport you, you, you care to name. I think what people haven't mentioned, but I think it has got something to do with it as well, is is the weather. <laughs> God, I'm so British. Well, you know, it's probably the weather. You never know how the weather's going to go. But I mean, it t- typically British people. <laughs> said But I think it's true. If you think about the first month of the tournament, I can't really remember. In fact, the game, the Australia game versus Scotland is the first game I can remember where it was raining. I mean, there probably has been games at Rennie, really, but in my memory, I can't remember seeing a game and going, look, it's pissing down. And actually, which given it's October and it's Britain, is a shock. And I do think the fact the sun's been shining, it's been mostly dry and it's not been too cold, has meant that games can actually be played in a way we'd we'd want them to be played. I think the other thing that's really helped with the World Cup being so amazing so far as well is the uh, the Tier 2 nation's... I've already mentioned doing very well but specifically the, the, the way they've got their set piece sorted you know rugby's not a game where you can just throw the ball around and hope for the best you're going to get marmalised but if your set piece is sorted and Fiji were a good example of this you know they were competitive in most of their games because the set piece was sorted I think that's true of, of all of them so that that's contributed towards it and every week there's been something where you've gone God wow, what a game what a game what a game but last weekend in the quarterfinals was just simply outstanding and in a way you had kind of Two examples, or, or the kind of you know, both sides of what's made this World Cup so good. New Zealand, France, let's just deal with that first to get that out of the way. You know, probably the best performance, individual performance over 18 minutes on a team that I've seen for I can't remember when. Certainly, the best performance New Zealand have put in for quite some time. And given that by their standards, they were relatively rusty coming into the tournament, they didn't look particularly on fire. And usually they're at their best a year before a tournament. This is Steve Hansen's way, you know, in his completely deadpan manner of basically sticking two fingers up to everybody to say, oh yeah, we're undercooked, are we? Oh yeah, we're not ready, we're a year out. Well, have a look at this. And that's exactly what they've done. Um, and that performance was an example of how some teams have just played very, very well. And a perfect example of how the, you know, you're know, you seeing some of the best rugby in this World Cup. That's one thing. Then the other side of it, Wales' Wales's game against South Africa Um, Australia's game against Scotland were examples of how you've seen some of the best games of rugby you know maybe not some of the best rugby you've ever seen but the best games of rugby that you're likely to see and that's one of the things that's been so amazing and then the final one the other side of it is Argentina are kind of like I know they're not tier 2 that would be incredibly disrespectful to say that about them but it is you know they're the kind of standard bearers for the for the teams you think have done much better. They're kind of spiritually. They're carrying the kind of spiritual torch of this World Cup, if you like. You know, I'm probably saying something far too profound. I say profound. You may say bullshit, but I'm going to stick with profound. But basically, I think that's what it is. Argentina, this kind of spiritual. You know that the, they're always perceived as the tier, as one of the tier two nations in tier one, if that's probably the fairest way to put it. And them being so bloody good, so adventurous, and so unafraid.
0: Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service or any company is legit. And remember... Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together, this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing.
1: Whether it's cancelled plans...
0: (laughs) to get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected.
1: Ray to play rugby has made it that they're kind of spiritually carrying on. The Japans have, have unfortunately had to leave the tournament and that is absolutely outstanding. To so come back to the Wales game, an incredible game of rugby. Um, Scott Berger, who... I'm pretty sure we'll be will be being put into the you dirty Gad Hall of Fame at some point in the future, but for now let's forget the fact that he's you know a craven swine and actually just look at the fact that God what a game he played in in, in that game and how incredibly Wales played. South Africa frankly don't look too good to me. I don't think they're going to go. Uh, they're not going to go well against New Zealand and I think Wales for all the heroics and the absolute heartbreaking disappointment I'm not having it that when they climbed out of their ice baths at whatever time they did that after that game they didn't look at that France game and see what New Zealand did to them and think you know what I think I'll leave that for the next four years because there's no way they could have carried into a semi-final against New Zealand the injuries that they had of the physical state that they were in They'd have had to been basically fielding a corgi and a pit pony by the time they got there. It would have been absolutely ridiculous. Um, But what an effort from Wales, though. I mean, they just never, ever stopped, did they? The spirit was absolutely incredible. There's still a lot of question marks around, actually, how Gatland wants to play his rugby. I think that's that's something they're going to have to address. And even though he's quite a magnificent coach, and if he was in charge of England, we might have done a little bit better. I say we, I'm an English person, obviously. Um, You do have to wonder, has... Warren Gatlin ball gone as far as it can go really and it's been like this for some time they still don't quite I mean they had lots of injuries this time Wales had a great deal of injuries this time so maybe it's unfair to say this but actually they still didn't really change the way they played very much and they still managed to not quite beat Southern Hemisphere opposition each time they tried Japan remained the only Northern Hemisphere team to beat a Southern Hemisphere team in this tournament would you believe um, but what a game that was Uh New Zealand did what they did to France. We said France special mention for France. I've been doing on the blog. I've been on bloodandmud.com, I've been doing the France Insanity trying to see where they rank against Jack Nicholson's performances in terms of insanity. They've gone full shining now, haven't they? They've gone absolutely full shining. They've got they've sat their coach. They coached themselves, and now they've been battered by France. I think the, the, the really disappointing thing I think for all of us is that normally when France go full on insane, they're actually enter- they're usually entertaining to watch. They've gone full-on full on insane this time and been the most miserable set of people to watch you've ever seen. And every single one of them really was w- w- was awful. Um, Sant Jose will go now. New coach comes in. Not much being held out for hope with him, though, either, really, to be honest. But we shall see. We shall see how that goes. But off they go. New Zealand march on like 15 green Reapers with extra pace with, you know, Nandralone in their system or something. Not that I'm casting any aspersions, I'm just simply saying that's the kind of speed that they play at. Australia, a lot of people are saying now that it's a worry for Australia that you look at it and you think, well, are they as good as we made out? So there's it there does tend to be a kind of binary swing with opinion in a lot of the a lot of people in relation to the World Cup. Oh, they're brilliant, they're completely unbeatable. Oh, they didn't do quite so good now. or they're absolutely terrible. Well, that's not the case. Australia are still a very good side. I think it's easy to forget, or it's very convenient to give, forget. They actually scored six tries against Scotland, but only actually got five of them awarded. And Scotland scored a lot from in, interceptions. And Scotland never really looked very comfortable to me all the way through it. I mean, it was fantastic romance. It was an amazing game. We'd have all liked to have seen it. But ultimately, I think you know Australia probably deserved to win the game, didn't they? An Argentina island... It's very easy. It will be very easy, I think, to sort of save Argentina. Ah, oh, well, you know, they had a lucky game, or, or they're a kind of very romantic team, or this is all very whatever, and you know they're going to come unstuck at some point. But actually, I think that would be grossly unfair to them because as much as they, you know, they were lucky to be well, not lucky, sorry, they were fortunate to be seventeen points ahead at the uh, at the beginning. You know, they got Ireland had a bit of a brain fart and let them score. And uh, let them through. You know, weren't defending very well. Argentina had capitalized on it absolutely wonderfully well, and that's not something I would kick off about. And you could say they won because of that. Well, actually, I don't think that's true because if you look at the middle part of the game, when basically Ireland sorted themselves out, Joe Smith coached the team got the red screwed back on, came back into the game, brought it within a couple of points. Then had to make some substitutions, Ireland, and Argentina didn't panic. Didn't go into a ridiculous mode and look like they might do something stupid or ruin all the good work they had done. They simply refocused, made some changes and started cutting Ireland apart again. If they were simply just a kind of romance chucking a ball about team, when Ireland started to apply that kind of very deliberate pressure, and I'll be honest, I thought that the organised pressure that Ireland could put on them ultimately would mean that even with Ireland's injuries, Ireland would win. That's you know my predictions in this World Cup have been so bad. I'm surprised anybody pays it. Well, actually, nobody ever pays any attention to me anyway. I think they just tuning into me to see to go mad about Haskell's and say fuck jokes on on Twitter. But leaving that aside, I do think that um, there's a lot of situ- there is the, there is the thought that they would have crumbled under that, and and they simply didn't. Uh Well, this is the new coach. The coach, you've got some, some magnificent knitwear, so maybe that's you know maybe that's an indicator of how sensible and solid there. they're making Argentina be but actually I do think that there's something quite different about this Argentina team uh, this time round, and I think Australia needs to need to look out uh, and when we talk about the semi-finals a bit later on I'll go into a bit more detail about that you've got a feel for Ireland what is it about quarter-finals and Ireland and World Cups uh, they had some bad injuries at the wrong time they still should have had enough to win that game though I do think that you know we can all be all proud of the boys and all that kind of stuff but if I was Irish I'd be absolutely fuming to be honest, I mean credit to Australia but Ireland had enough to win that game, absolutely had enough to win that game and going behind by 17 points that early simply because you couldn't be bothered to get out of your line quick enough because that's really what it was, the line speed wasn't great from Ireland, the defence wasn't particularly good Is <sighs> I'd be fuming, put it that way I mean, I'm already fuming, I'm English, so I'm depressed really rather than fuming. So I can sit here now and say, I know what it's like to be depressed and fuming about a performance, and I'm telling you, I am telling you, at least we can say, well, our coach is, you know, a plank of wood. Well, he's not, but we can say that, but you can't say that about, you can't say that about Joe Smith, and Joe Smith must be absolutely fuming himself as well. So, onward to the semi-finals, but first, let's do this.
0: How the hell did he get a cap?
1: so on to our next feature how the hell did he get a cap we all know those players don't we the ones you look at and you think I really can't figure out how they're in an international jersey because it almost looks like they can hardly even put one foot in front of the other decent players probably could do a job somewhere what the hell are they doing in an international cap nobody knows at all usually they've had a few caps some of them have had quite a few caps we've asked for your nominations all week well I have asked for your nominations all week on Twitter and the Facebook. And there's been quite a few nominations, I'll be honest. It could keep us going for a while as a regular feature, which is good, because Christ knows I don't want to think of anything for myself. You're not supposed to do my job for me. That's the whole point of it. So who is our first person to be in the how the hell did he get a cap? I suggested Barry John Mather. I've written about Barry John Mather on the on the blog before. He was part of the Clive Woodward revolution. He played famously in the game at uh, Wembley when Wales... Uh, managed to win in the last minute and broke English hearts in the Grand Slam for yet another year, uh, but he's been written about on the blog, I don't want to go over that again but he was a classic example of the uh, Rugby League uh, disease, some people think it was a disease, it's not a disease, but the, the idea that you want people to come over from Rugby League because they can do a job Barry John Mather was a weird one anyway I'm going to talk about him anyway, I said I'm not going to talk about him I'm talking about him, he was a weird one Barry John Mather because he wasn't actually he wasn't a Jason Robinson once in a lifetime um talent, he wasn't anything like that, he wasn't like you know Burgess, for, we can discuss Burgess, I know we can discuss Burgess, I'm not going to do that, but Burgess is a kind of once in a generation talent in many ways, Barry John Mather was never that, why the hell he was fast-tracked I think it's because he was big, and it was a time when centres weren't too big back then uh, but anyway, that didn't work but it is another England person that we're going to be looking at this time, and that is the legendary lump of not much good, which was a, a Eula Arinley Arinle remember had two England caps, one as a substitute in the autumn internationals in two thousand and nine. After he'd left Wasps and Leicester and gone over to Beeritz. Now really was—he really was useless. It was amazing. I mean, he was—you know—a professional rugby player, but it's all relative, and he—he he was useless. And he—he he came on as a sub against Australia, and then he started against the All Blacks. It was part of that time when a lot of Leicester centres. Or, ex Leicester Centre seem to get England caps. Dan Hipkiss, remember Dan Hipkiss? He could be in here as well, to be honest. But let's throw him in. I'll throw Dan Hipkiss in as well. Why not? A there you a day two people are going in this week, the other are in the, and Dan Hipkiss. The, um, so, but we're, we're focusing on, on Euler Rinley at the minute. Yeah, he started against the All Blacks. In fact, he started alongside Dan Hipkiss in that game. Uh, it was, in that bat line, in fact, was a, a Rinley, Hipkiss. Cueto at fullback, uh, Matt Banahan and Hugo Monier. <laughs> that is absolute filth, isn't it? <laughs> oh God, we think we got it bad now as England as England fans. And, uh, of course, and then when they moved on, uh, we got Chantayne Harpe, which was uh, you know. Oh, in fact, thinking about it, I think I might just throw that entire three quarter line into the how, how the hell did you ever get cap So there you go, Arinley, <laughs> hip kiss. Not Monje, actually, to be fair to Monje. Banahan maybe, but not you, But yeah, that's a fairly a high percentage of what the hell were you doing playing international rugby were on the field <laughs> that day. Good Lord. So there you go. How the hell did he get a cap? Eulia needed the massive lump of a centre for Leicester, who then went to Beeritz. And I'll tell you how he got a cap. It was that time for England when anybody seemed to get a cap in the centres. And to be honest, even at this World Cup, anybody seems to get a cap in the centres, don't they? How depressing.
0: How... The hell did he get a cap?
1: And so here we are, getting down to the business end of things in the semi-finals of the World Cup this weekend. Two huge games. New Zealand versus South Africa. And, of course, then Argentina versus Australia. Um, Who's going to win? Hard to see anything but a New Zealand win, to be honest. They can't actually play that well again. They can't play as well as they did against France. No team can play that well again, regardless of who they are. However, what I will say is that even if they play 70% of the way they played against France, they're going to beat South Africa, mainly because South Africa don't have much about them. Anything beyond the twelve shirt's no good. Dale Lindy's brilliant, but doesn't pass much. I mean, his power's amazing, but he doesn't pass much. Creel, again, runs, doesn't pass much. LaRue doesn't look to be on great form to me either. Berger has you know, has been as, as good a player in this tournament as anybody that's in the tournament but he's not going to come up against a half necked Welsh team again, he's going to come up against Kieran Reid and Jerome Kaino and Mar Nanu and the rest who are going to be a completely different proposition altogether I think it's going to be quite a comfortable New Zealand win, I think South Africa probably sat on their own looking at themselves thinking we've done pretty well to get this far, that'll do I think they'll be quite pleased, well they won't be pleased but I think they'll be satisfied when they look back on it And this New Zealand team are just going to win. They're going to win quite comfortably, I think, 10 to 12 points, I would say. The other game, Australia versus Argentina. It's um, trickier to call, I think. I think Argentina surprised everybody last week. It is trickier to call, but also, you know, Argentina have got a chronic record against Australia. Having said that, they've got a chronic record against everybody who's a big team, really. So it's perhaps unfair to judge them on the past. They look a better team now than they have done for some time. This is going to be... A, they're going to be up for it. I think there's no doubt about that. I think you're only going to see the emotions that are all over the place. Diego Maradona might turn up again. Let's be honest. He might hand out some drugs. No, i only joking. But he might um, inspire them. The whole nation will be behind them. This is a huge, huge thing for them. I just think that last week was maybe their performance and I think that they won't probably play that well again Australia will play better than they played last week The it's doubtful Pocock's going to play he's not trained much this week I don't think I've not seen the team as I record this but um, I don't think he's going to play and Argentina do have Bosch coming back some more players coming back but I think that ultimately it's, it, it's going to be an Australia New Zealand final which I think a few of us would have picked way back when It's probably better for the tournament than that's the final as well. I think all we've got to hope is that it's another another couple of brilliant weekends, Uh, another couple of brilliant games, sorry, this weekend. Uh, The rain is forecast to come down. That might impede things a little bit. There's me talking about the weather again. But I think ultimately, it's been such a good tournament. If the semi finals and the finals don't go too well, it'll just be such a disappointment for everybody, really. We'll still have amazing memories of the tournament, but we've just got to keep it going. So that's my call. I think that South Africa have gone as far as they're going to go. New Zealand are going to win that comfortably I think Australia-Argentina has a chance to be an absolutely brilliant game I hope the rain stays off Argentina even with their newfound confidence I don't think they're going to beat Australia Australia have got history on their side they've got experience on their side even with Fallout out, Pocock out they've got Bealeys playing pretty well they've got Levan play it's not really going to be an issue for them so I think that's it, it's a New zealand australia final so there you go the first stab a podcast or well, a proper stab for for some time with a proper microphone. I bought a new microphone and everything for this, you know. So, you know, I, the last I did a podcast once in two thousand and nine with a microphone that was made out of papier mâché, some wires. This is all, of course, going through the shit good computer. That's what I'm using the software for to record this. By the way, uh, I'm I'm wondering what the shit good computer makes about it. It's just got shit in massive red letters flashed in on the screen. But, well, you can be the judge of what you think of it. Let's hope for a great weekend coming up with rugby. I hope this has been so entertaining. Keep your nominations coming in for how the hell did he get a cap and also for you dirty gets, because be, I'm going to keep doing this, you know, regardless of what the general public think. I'm going to keep going, because you know, if history has taught me anything, it's being completely bloody-minded about everything. We'll get you somewhere. I'm very much like James Haskell, really. Maybe I'm a lot like him. Maybe that's maybe that's what the problem is. My head's not as big as his though. I'm a normal size bloke with a normal size head. Well it's above average head, really. Anyway, thank you very much for your company. I've no idea there's any company out there of course because this thing doesn't even go out live, but hopefully at least three of you have listened. I'll be back next week to talk about how the semi-finals went. And until then, have a lovely, lovely time. See ya.
0: As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes, a Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Sports Social Podcast Network.